Hey friends, welcome to the Confetti Moments Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Hinshaw. I believe that picture books open the magic for all readers. Today, open your heart and let all the book feels in. It's going to be so much fun. Let's open the magic. We made it. We are now in season two. I hope you loved season one. I sure did. I mean, there were so many teachers and authors and publishers and family members and friends who shared their reading heart with us. And it just made me know that whatever we're going through, books and literature can help ground us and can make us feel happy. I don't know about you, but I love going and just reading and connecting with characters and plots and pictures. And I just love how picture books can do that. So we are on season two. We are fired up. I have so many great guests for this season. And just wait, let's open the magic together and throw all the confetti around. I'm so excited for today's guest. It is somebody on my reading bucket list that I've had the pleasure of meeting and talking with, and you are just such in for a treat today. Today on Confetti Moments, we have Judy Newman, the president of Scholastic Book Clubs. So welcome, Judy. Why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, Courtney. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I'm so excited to be here kicking off a new back to school for sure. Um, Okay, who am I? My name is Judy Newman. I am the president and reader in chief of Scholastic Book Clubs. I've been working at Scholastic for many years, as as you know. I'm also an author under the pseudonym of Pepper Springfield. I write a series of books called The Bobs and Tweets. And I'm a mom. And as of last Friday at one in the morning, my daughter just had a brand new baby. So. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Wow. Did you notice how I avoided the word grandma in there? (laughs) Very artfully. I love it. I love it. I love it. So what is it like to be a president of a company and an author of that serves such the greater good for education? Yeah, so um, it's a an awesome responsibility and a joy and a privilege, frankly. I mean, I've been working with teachers in this work for decades, and um, we know that getting helping teachers all over the place get books to kids um, from all walks of life all skin colors, all backgrounds, all um, histories is the most important thing we do. So I think having that responsibility um, is truly awesome. Um, It's super difficult right now to help everybody in the best way possible um, with all the challenges for back to school, but we're inspired and excited to see all the creative ways teachers are still determined to make sure their students get great books. Um, Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I love that you use the word determined because I think like that, I mean, the Scholastic magazines have been around for like de- my whole life. I mean, I right. think about back to when I was a kid and I'd run home with them and I'd be like, mom, look, we got the new magazine. And like, it's still thriving now. Like what an honor to work for something that is that special to people. That's right. And it's same with me. I remember it as a kid, you know, circling the books and getting them in class. And it's that feeling of empowerment and making your own choices. And, and you know, I saw it with my own kids. And of course, now, you know, with all the kids we work with. So it's it's quite, uh, it's an awesome responsibility, but one that I, I love. I can't imagine doing anything else. Oh, that's so awesome. So as you know, I'm like obsessed with picture books. So I always love to ask 
the um, people that I interview, like why are picture books so important? Like what's your special secret with them? Yeah. So as you know, as well as anybody, I mean, they're so versatile. Uh, Picture books are about all topics. Um, They're accessible. So, you know, even people who aren't sort of comfortable reading or consider themselves readers can go along with the pictures. So you have sort of two things working together. You have words and you have the pictures, illustrations, or sometimes photographs that tell the story. And so there's so much room to read and explore and share. Um, They're uniquely able to, you know, be objects that families can read together for kids to share with their, um, with their parents, with their grandparents, with friends. Um, And they're just about all kinds of topics. And there's really a picture book for everybody. And I think they tap into issues and ideas and imagination, you know, all kinds of things that we're thinking about. And so a good picture book can do a really a lot of work. Um, And of course, I know, like you, I have a lot of picture books from my own childhood. And I go back and look at them again and again, because they're so timeless. I love that. And I think like, you know, you say they're timeless because you, you think about like when you were reading it as like an eight-year-old versus when you're reading it as an adult, you have different perspectives when you're reading and like, how cool is that? That's right. And I mean, we just did uh, some work on a picture book that I had to read about 20 times. And each time I read it, I saw a new layer of, um, of interest and insight and story. Um, that book was last up on Market Street, and um, I, you know, I've read it many times. But each time I read it, it's a picture book that's just so rich and textured. Um, and of course, the Newberry Committee agreed because usually they award that uh, medal to novels, but this was to this picture book that was just really truly profound. I think. Oh, that's so neat. Oh, I, I love. I'm such like I nerd out when I we talk picture books. I'm like, oh, I want to know all the cool little. I know. So I know. So. I always love to ask, I mean, all the questions I'm asking, I love to ask, but like, what were you like as a reader growing up? So I wasn't a nerd, you know, I mean, maybe I was, but I love to read, but I wasn't, you know, I love to do all kinds of things, but I always had a book and, um, you know, my parents, every time we would graduate from one grade to the next, you know, kindergarten to first or first to second, they would take us to a place. I grew up outside of Boston and it was called New England Mobile Book Fair. And it was called the Jobber in those days, which was basically a warehouse filled with books. And my parents would let us go in, my brother, my sister and I, and we would get to just choose whatever books we wanted off of these pallets. I mean, and I don't know what my parents were doing while we were in there, probably looking at their own books, but, um, and that, that was just so baked into me as a kid and having these books and having lots of them and I would shelve them and reshelve them and, you know, organize them in different ways, different alphabetical systems. And so I think I was just sort of born with books, frankly. Um, And they've just always been a part of my life. Oh, I love that. It reminds me of when I learned about the Scholastic Warehouse. I had never been. It was years ago. And I remember walking in there and I was just like, oh my gosh, it is floor to ceiling books. And I was in there for probably like five, a really, really long time. Right. It's funny you say warehouse because one of my favorite uh, things, the great one of the great things about my job is that we get to dream stuff up and then actually do it. Um, so I, I don't know. When I was a kid, there used to be uh, 
shopping spree game shows, or maybe there still are. And so I always wanted to do that. And so we used to run these contests where teachers would win 15 minutes to go through the Scholastic Book Club's warehouse in Jefferson City, Missouri, with literally shopping carts and drag all the books they wanted off the shelves into the carts. And all the warehouse employees would be cheering them on and it would be for, you know, some set amount of time. And it was thrilling to see uh, just that, you know, grabbing books and loving every minute of it. You should see my face right now. I'm literally like, that's so not fair. I want to do that. Well, when, when COVID's over, you should come. We'll set it up for sure. Oh my gosh, that would be so fun. I love it. Okay, so now that you've gotten to listen to kind of who Judy is and how, what she feels about picture books and her being a reader, I want her to give advice. I mean, we are in a very trying time right now. We have so many parents who have kids at home. They're like, we want them to be readers, but we're working advice can you give parents about the importance of creating a home full of books? Yeah, I think, I mean, what I worry about is that, that parents feel like they're not competent to do that, you know, that that's the domain of teachers, or they have to be an expert, or they're not a librarian. And that's not true. Um, anybody should and can have books in their home. And it's so important. And even if you as a parent weren't a great reader, or maybe you didn't grow up in a culture of reading, it's okay, can't really go wrong. So just to get books, um, however you can, Obviously, through Scholastic Book Clubs, the flyers, through book fairs, if you can find a warehouse sale. Uh, we, we hear people get books from eBay. They can be used books. They can be hand-me-downs. They can be borrowed. Uh, certainly the library, you know, when we're in more of normal times. But I think that just getting books from wherever and having them be part of your house, you know, part of your furniture, a little, a little setup in the living room or den or your kid's bedroom, wherever, where the books are there. They're sort of part of the of life and um and i and i also make parents i want parents to feel you know not th intimidated you don't you don't have to be a good reader to sit down with your kid and read you can make up the story you know that's another great thing about picture books you don't have to follow literally there's no right or wrong it's just having that cozy time modeling reading um even if you're a parent falling asleep with a book like that's okay you know your kids see you reading so it's just about creating a culture of reading in your in your home um, under any form. It can be books about anything. It doesn't have to be fancy. It can be books about anything from, you know, Pokemon to hockey stars to great literature. Anything goes. Oh, I love that response. And I know I want to shout out Scholastic Book Clubs because I think that you guys have such a great way of doing it. The books are well-priced. They, you know, uh, you can just get so many, there's so many different titles, so many different genres. And so I really think as a teacher, I really push them in my classroom because I feel like, you know, kids, you guys know readers and you just have the best stuff in every magazine and they're just so well priced and just, oh, I just love it. Like so if you're a parent listening right now, definitely check out the Scholastic Book Club flyers because you, your kids will love them just as much as maybe you did growing up because they're just timeless. So that. And also every order that parents place, you know, does give back to the teacher. So it's really this virtuous cycle. So it's very exciting and it's very empowering for kids to choose their own books. So I, 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 second your, I second your love for classic book clubs for sure. Yes. Okay. So this next question, I feel like I die on this rock every time I talk about it. So I teach upper grade and I always tell parents like, oh, you should read to your kids. And they're like, but they can read on their own. 
And I would just love for you to share your perspective of why parents should continue to read to their children, even when they can read on their own. Yes. I mean, it's more than just reading. It's a time together. It's sharing experience. It's learning. You're never too old to read a picture book or any book together. Story time, um, as you know, it's a great way to end the day, you know, at bedtime to read aloud, read together, have the kid read. You know, there's no rules as long as you're ending your day with your with a book. Of course, turning off the screens is always good, um, but you're never too old to be read to, uh, to read aloud, to read to your parents. Um, never. I mean, to this day, my kids are grown adults and, and I'm happy to keep reading to them. So um, I agree with you. I love that. I love that. Okay. The next section we're going to kind of dive into is for teachers. So teachers, I mean, this whole podcast is for you, but we're really going to dive into helping you make your back to school with Scholastic Book Fairs and an experience you'll never forget this year. Because I mean, I'm pretty sure we all I've had experiences this year so far we're never going to forget, but what tips for teachers can you give them about ordering with Scholastic or any like secrets or fun facts that you can share with them? Yeah, so we're doing focus groups actually two or three times a week with real live teachers, so we want to stay very up to speed and up to date on what teachers are dealing with, and honestly, my heart, my shout out goes out to you and to everybody listening that teachers are just doing an incredible job. So, um, you know, the paper flyers from the book clubs typically go home, and we're hearing some teachers are able to still do that. But, you know, with the quarantine issues and COVID and so on, some people are worried about the physical flyers. So one of the tips is that all those flyers are available in digital format now. The exact same paper flyer, we've designed them um, online. And so you can just go to scholastic.com slash backslash book clubs and search by, you know, the name of your club, Firefly or Seesaw or Lucky or your grade, second grade, third grade. And all the flyers are there in digital form and you can share them with families. There's a code. It's all sort of one-click sharing now. We tried to make it very easy so um, so teachers can bypass that physical flyer if it's a problem in class right now. Um, we have ship-to-home options for teachers because we know not all teachers are actually in school. So teachers can choose to have the book box shipped to their home. And we heard a resounding cry that parents want to have the books sent directly to their home as well. So beginning in about two weeks, I think September 29th is our go-to-live date, we're going to have an option where parents can um, place the order still through the teachers. The teacher still gets all their usual bonus points and so on, but they can have an option to ship the book box for their child directly to the home. And we think that's going to really help people a lot. Oh, it is. I already had a few parents reach out to me and I'm like, I, I will ask. And I yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that so much. I know a lot of our families are going to be really thankful. Yeah. Okay. So now I have to get back to you again. I want to know what is your reading life look like now, like as an adult? Oh my gosh, I was thinking about this earlier. So I, you know, I have a stat. I always am reading an adult book, I have to confess. So I'm reading a big novel right now. It's called The Most Fun We Ever Had, and I love it. So I'm, I have a stack of, you know, adult novels that I'm ready to read, and they're not all great literature, but they're super fun. Then I have to be reading, you know, for our blog, which we do at Judy Newman at scholastic.com each week, where we have a book for a dollar. 
Um, so two weeks ago was Last Stop on Market Street. As I said, I read that like 20 times. Last week it was Restart. And this week we've just kicked off with Miss Nelson is Missing, um, another favorite picture book. So I read, I'm always reading uh, that sort of more reading and work reading those books. Then I'm reading all the submissions that we get from all kinds of publishers, as well as from Scholastic Trade, books that editors are asking me to read. I also read submissions um, from people who have written books. So I'm reading away <laughs> all different kinds of books all day long. I love that. We're actually in my class. So I'm, this year I'm teaching a five, six combo and we just started restart and it is so good. Oh my goodness. I, oh. I know on so many levels, I highly encourage everyone to read it. That's great. I feel like it's comparable to Wonder and I don't put many books next to Wonder and I'm feeling like this one's pretty comparable. I love so far, like I think it's just so great. and Oh, it's so good. I agree. You know, we've worked with Gordon Corman forever because his first book, um, This Can't Be Happening in McDonald Hall, was actually published by Scholastic Book Clubs um, when he was, you know, after his he was a kid, he wrote it as a project. And so we've been working with Gordon forever and I just, he has something like 95 books and, and this one is really truly restart is one of my favorites oh wow that's a cool fact I love that <laughs> okay what are what can teachers or parents do if they're not sure like what books to get for their students like you hear you know oh my child's reading at this grade level but I'm not really sure we, like what would you say yeah I mean I think people get themselves sometimes too worried about that I mean what's the worst that can happen the kid gets a book and they don't like it and certainly in Scholastic they can always return it there's no harm in putting down a book that a kid doesn't like but presumably you know you want to um, you know connect as well as you can. So there's different there's different techniques we use. Um, on our website, we have something, actually, we have something called the Book Finder, which is, um, you know, you try to, you put in a book and it will come up with suggestions for titles that the system thinks that you like. I know for me personally, um, when I'm trying to connect a child to a book, I ask them, what was the last book they liked? And I don't know if you know this, but every Halloween I end up giving, I'm the crazy book lady. And for 25 years, we've given out thousands and thousands of books on Halloween. And the kids come up to me and they're like, tell me what, or the moms and dads are like, tell me what, you know, my kids should read. And I always ask them, what was the last book? And usually that gives me a sense um, of the types of books that they'll like. And then, you know, you can go to blogs, you can go to amazing uh, people like yourself and Ramona recommends. I mean, there's all kinds of great resources out there uh, to find good books. So I encourage people to check everything out. And, and also James Patterson um, and I have one thing in, well, we have a lot of things in common, but one is that he says, there's no such thing as a kid who doesn't like to read. There's just a kid who hasn't found the right book. And so I just encourage teachers, teachers know this, but just for parents to just keep on trying, keep going until that kid connects with that book that really they can't put down. It'll, you'll get there. Um, just keep going. Oh, great advice. Great advice. Oh, if you could see my face, I'm just smiling. This whole interview, I just love it so much, but okay. So now I ask all of my guests, these three questions, they're just quick answers. If you want to give me a why go for it, but you don't have to. So what is your all time favorite picture book that gave you a confetti moment? <laughs> 
Okay, that's like a cruel question for someone who loves everything. But the my big confetti moment is a book called Sylvester and the Magic Pedal. And it's written by William Steig. And I have to tell you just for a second, because people might, you know, it's about a donkey who has to turn into a rock to escape a lion when he, he finds a magic pebble. And he can't turn himself back from the rock. And so a whole seasons go by and his parents are bereft. They're mourning what happened to Sylvester. And only when they sit on the rock and they pick up the pebble and they say, oh, I wish our lovely, beloved Sylvester was back and he turns back into a donkey and it is literally no matter how many times I read it I the confetti comes down from the ceiling oh my gosh I love that and I always laugh because I ask everybody this question and then when I get asked that my response is the same like okay this is my favorite book for like right now but in five minutes it could change so don't quote me of course <laughs> yes so what picture book are you excited or you can't wait to come out in 2020 or even farther than that yeah so I have about 10 which I won't go on and on about but if I had to pick one um, Milo imagines the world is the new collaboration between Christian Robinson and Matt de la Pena who did um, as you know last stop on Marcus Street and I think the technical pub date is February 2nd, 2021. And I'm so, so, so excited for that book. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. I'm going to have to write that down. (laughs) I just want to celebrate teachers just as much as you have in this podcast interview. And I just, I mean, you, you know, I know like we are working so hard. Like every Sunday I send my sisters a reminder. I'm like, love on your children's teachers. We are doing more than we ever thought possible, but we're doing it. And so can you share about a teacher who changed your life as a person just to give teachers a shout out? Of course. I mean, I loved every single teacher of mine. And I also told my kids exactly what you say to your friends and family, like, your teachers are amazing, respect and love and be courteous and so on. Um, but I loved all my teachers. But I have to say, when I started in this business and book clubs, we had a lot of orders and we got super backed up and the customer service department was back, backed up and nobody was getting their orders on time. But one very resourceful teacher found her way to my office and she called me and I picked up the phone and she's screaming at me, where's my book order. I ordered Polar Express for my kids and you sent me Wee Gillis and I want my book order and I want my book order screaming at me. And I said to myself, you know what? Any teacher who cares that much about getting books to their students has to come work with me. And that teacher, it was a second grade teacher in Attleboro, Massachusetts. Her name is Carol Levine. And this was like 20 something years ago. And she is still working at Scholastic today. So the power of a teacher to care so much about their kiddos and their students and getting books to them. I'm tearing up over myself right now. It's it's amazing. And I I always use that example because this was a teacher, Carol, who really cared and still does to this day. So she changed my life and many millions of kids and teachers over the years. Oh my gosh. I love that story. That's a great one. (laughs) So where can my Confetti Moments listeners find you? So I'm all over the place. Um, I'm on Instagram at, at Judy Newman at Scholastic. Um, and I have a blog, which I really urge you to check out. It's Judy Newman at scholastic.com and the book boys and free resources. And as I said, our dollar deal every week. Um, and if you come to New York City, please come visit me when we're back in the office. I hope uh, soon in the spring. Um, but I'm always available and I love to hear from everybody. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Judy, so much for taking the time and letting us talk to you and learn from you. I just like love when I get to talk to you every time. So thank you so much. And I wish you a really great school year helping teachers grow their readers in their classrooms. Thank you, Courtney. Good luck. Give all your kids a big high five for us. And um, for all the teachers listening, we want to be there for you. So please reach out if there's anything we can do to help. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into the Confetti Moments podcast. I hope each story or tip you heard today brings the love of reading into your heart. Take this confetti and sprinkle it all over the children in your classroom or home. See you back here next Monday to open the magic.